Welcome to Forgotten TV, the podcast that brings you TV memories of the 70s and 80s with a focus on short-lived TV shows, TV pilots, and made-for-TV movies. I'm Chris Cooling. Last time on Forgotten TV. He's like a spider. He can do the things a spider does, you know, um, climb walls and, and spin webs, and he's very, very strong. This time on Forgotten TV, we continue our look at 1970s TV incarnations of live-action superheroes. It's the Super 70s, Part 3. Our next stop, The Incredible Hulk. The Hulk is a Marvel Comics character created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby in 1962. Various appearances and incarnations of this character have found their way into the comics over the years, but he's mainly remembered as a green-skinned, hulking, muscular, brutish humanoid, possessing a vast degree of physical strength proportionate to his level of anger. Hulk's alter ego is Bruce Banner, a reserved nuclear physicist who is accidentally exposed to a gamma bomb. When he grows angry or outraged, a startling metamorphosis occurs, and he transforms into... The Hulk. The Hulk first appeared on TV in 1966 as a segment on the syndicated cartoon The Marvel Superheroes, from Grand Trey Lawrence Animation to this regrettable theme song. In the late 1970s, CBS obtained the rights of several Marvel Comics characters, including Doctor Strange, Captain America, and Spider-Man. Writer-director Kenneth Johnson, who previously worked on The Six Million Dollar Man and The Bionic Woman, was given his choice of what character he would like to develop for TV. After initially turning them down, he decided to develop one, and we get to discuss his choice today. Much can be said about this series. I mean, it ran for four years, 82 episodes, followed by three TV movies. There's no way to cover everything about this series in one podcast, and I'm sure to leave something out. But this is a TV show you as a viewer can revisit in its entirety due to its availability on disc and on demand. So let's get started. CBS commissioned two initial TV movies prior to giving a green light for a series. The first TV movie serves as a pilot film and origin story for the character. The second would give the network a taste of what the series' episodes would be like. These TV movies both aired in November of 1977, and both were released overseas theatrically, as was done in the 70s with uh, many of the TV movies of the time. Well-known actor Bill Bixby was cast as Dr. David Banner. Susan Sullivan was cast as Dr. Elena Marks. Jack Colvin was reporter Jack McGee. And initially, Richard Keel was cast in the role of the Hulk. But in early filming, it was discovered he was physically wrong for the role. So producers turned to professional bodybuilder Lou Ferrigno for the role of the Hulk himself. 
As the TV movie begins, a very padded opening dream sequence recalling a couple's pleasant life together, as well as a car accident, which results in... It was a nightmare. Dr. David Banner, now widowed, wakes up from the dream. The film establishes Banner and his colleague Elena Marks as research scientists looking into unexplained instances where normal people exhibit superhuman strength in dire situations. Fire was spreading, and I do know that it was going to explode real soon. So I thought to myself, I said, if I could raise up the car, I thought then I could open up the door. So I put my hand, you know, under something, and then I, I just, I just tried to lift it. It was the hardest thing I ever did, but I was furious at the thought of BJ dying inside. Then it happened. Somehow, I was lifting up the car. I was lifting up the car. It started to move. Real slowly, but I kept lifting and lifting. I don't, I don't know where I got the strength. I don't know where it came from, but there it was. <laughs> That's all. And I got him out. <laughs> A number of these people are interviewed and give similar accounts. But Banner and Elena are at a loss for results in their research, which is particularly troubling to Banner due to the car accident where he lost his wife and he himself was unable to summon the strength to save her. Where did she find that strength, Elena? 110-pound women don't just lift up a half-ton car. Now, where did that come from? I don't know. But if she tapped into it, it's got to be there. But how could she find the strength and I couldn't? You heard her story, my God, that's exactly what happened to me. Except that her son is alive and Laura is dead. And in every other case that we've researched, it's been the same story over and over and over again. But what is the common denominator? Soon they discover the subject have an abnormal concentration of the adenine-thymine combination in their DNA. Indeed, David himself shares this DNA abnormality. David soon discovers high gamma radiation from sunspots may be the causal factor in triggering the superhuman strength. David impulsively decides to get in the nearest gamma radiation chair to dose himself to test the hypothesis. However, unknown to him, lab technician Ben has been enhancing lab equipment and David takes a dose almost seven times the amount he intended. Thinking he is unchanged, David drives home in a rainstorm and experiences a blowout. Enraged by the situation, David changes into a large, green, muscular creature and overturns his car into the ditch. The creature wanders until morning and comes upon a lake. Jack McGee, a tabloid investigative reporter, later relates what happens. There's a girl and her father over at the lake who say that they saw the thing that made this. Did they? Well, what was it? Bigfoot? Sounded more like the jolly green giant. I, mean, I wouldn't call him too jolly. Big hulk. About seven feet tall. Greenish tinge to the skin. Pretty mean looking. Scared the daylights out of the girl. She almost drowned trying to swim out of there. Her uh, old man shot the thing in the shoulder. Well, th then what happened? 
Well, as he tells it, the creature turned on him, busted his gun, and then picked the man up and threw him an estimated 30 yards into the lake. But neither the little girl nor the father was hurt. No. To study this new phenomenon, Elena and David retreat to a secluded, more secure lab with a pressure chamber, thinking this would contain the Hulk. During their experimenting, David is again triggered to change into the Hulk and demolishes the chamber. Mr. McGee later sees the destroyed chamber while snooping around and tries to hide in a supply closet to avoid being discovered, knocking over chemicals in the process. He is quickly ousted by David. This institute is private Doctor, property. If you know anything about this creature, it is your duty to report that to the police. You're letting your imagination run away with you now. I have never seen this creature that you're talking about. Forgive me, Doctor, but I am calling you a liar. Mr. McGee! Mr. McGee, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Meanwhile, a chemical fire is starting in the supply closet, and very soon, an explosion takes place. Elena is trapped inside under rubble, and David again transforms into the Hulk, extracting her from the burning lab. However, it is too late, as she dies from internal injuries after expressing her love for David while he is still the Hulk. I don't know if you can understand me, but I want you to know something. I have loved you for such a very long time. And I always will. And I always will. McGee writes a front-page story that says, Incredible Hulk kills two. Was it really necessary to print that? Well, it's truth. It's what happened. And it sells newspapers. Look, Doctor. I saw what that creature did to a steel chamber. And I heard your friends talking. They were scared to death it was coming back. You actually saw the thing? You're damn right I did. I gave a description to all the law enforcement agencies. They got a, a warrant for murder out on it. Now, a thing that looks like that Hulk is not going to stay hidden long. When they grab it, that is going to be one of the great stories of the 20th century. One of the best. David has allowed everyone to think he too was killed in the fire and doesn't even have the benefit of the memory of Elena expressing her feelings. I love you, Elena. I think you love me too. Although you never said it.
David walks into the distance to the saddest closing credits song of any TV show in history, foreshadowing how every episode of the series would end. Writer-director Kenneth Johnson is clearly borrowing thematic elements from Frankenstein as well as Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, as did Stan Lee with the original source material. Some interesting changes took place from comic book to TV screen. For one thing, the Hulk is obviously intentionally powered down for the comics to fit in the scale of a TV production. This was necessary because of his immense strength that was depicted in the comic books which would be almost impossible to create on a TV budget. The production itself was very down-to-earth and fit in real-life situations. One change was the name. In the comics, he's called Bruce Banner, but in the TV show, the name was changed to David Banner. Now, several sources do state that the producers were concerned that, believe it or not, the name Bruce sounded too gay, and the name change was made to David. Kenneth Johnson also refers to the fact of alliteration with the Bruce Banner name being very familiar and a comic book trope of the time. Something very familiar to the Superman comics with Lois Lane, Lex Luthor, Lana Lang, etc. One thing I found interesting about this TV movie is it does not call out its era or appear nearly as dated as other TV superhero efforts of the time. Yes, I mean, if you look at the analog lab equipment and the controls and the video cameras they use to interview test subjects, you can tell we're in the 70s. But this is something that is not really called out and extremely obvious in the production. One reason this might be is because it does not go out of its way to be hip or current, as did things like the later seasons of Wonder Woman or with the funky theme music of Spider-Man. We can definitely thank the efforts of composer Joe Harnell, who was responsible for the theme music of The Bionic Woman, uh, the TV show Cliffhangers, V, as well as the United Artists logo music. The effects were perfectly decent for a 70s TV movie. When David changes into the Hulk, this is accomplished by white contact lenses that are applied to him, and then a green glow and facial appliances to show an in-between phase of David and the Hulk. And it's always accompanied by a dramatic music cue. Ferrigno is covered in green body paint with 
a yak hair fright wig that was applied to his head. That's something that producers always said they never felt that got quite right with the series was the Hulk's hair. Various methods were used to show the Hulk out, including putting shirts that were too small onto Lou Ferrigno, which he would then flex his muscles and the shirt would rip off of him, or uh, similar effects with his pants and boots. In a number of scenes throughout the series, it became obvious he was wearing green body paint, as sometimes it would come off onto other people or onto props, and that body paint could be detected. Often, this paint had to be reapplied and touched up multiple times throughout a shot. With Colorform's Incredible Hulk adventure set, I'll be Incredible Hulk. I'll you can pretend Hulk. lots of things, what? like the Hulk is battling his arch enemy Rhino, or using his incredible strength against the Abomination, wow. or single-handedly capturing a gang of evildoers. You can pretend lots of exciting adventures with your imagination and Colorform's Incredible Hulk. The Incredible Hulk adventure set comes with 24 plastic playing pieces. It's Colorform's fun. Just over two weeks later, the second TV movie aired, and for the first time, viewers heard Ted Cassidy narrate an opening segment that basically recaps the first film. Dr. David Banner, physician, scientist, searching for a way to tap into the hidden strengths that all humans have. Then an accidental overdose of gamma radiation alters his body chemistry. And now when David Banner grows angry or outraged, a startling metamorphosis occurs. is driven by rage and pursued by an investigative reporter. Mr. McGee, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. The creature is wanted for a murder he didn't commit. David Banner is believed to be dead. And he must let the world think that he is dead until he can find a way to control the raging spirit that dwells within him. This second pilot film was initially called The Return of the Incredible Hulk. Later, it retitled to Death in the Family when it was split into two episodes for syndication. As intended, this second TV movie played like a two-part episode aired back-to-back and is largely formulaic and forgettable. It involved a plot to kill a young, crippled girl to inherit her fortune. Uh, Gerald McCraney and William Daniels both made appearances. There was one unintentionally funny scene where the Hulk fights a grizzly bear and throws an obvious large stuffed bear into the lake. This TV movie did set us up for the episodes that would follow. Ken Johnson created a show that was a favorite with adults and kids alike, and actor Bill Bixby lent a lot of credibility to the production, which at its heart was a dramatic anthology with tragic characters, with the Hulk typically being the only fantastic element in the story. In March 1978, The Incredible Hulk filled a mid-season replacement spot on Friday nights for CBS, and 10 regular series episodes began airing in a truncated first season. This was followed by three full seasons, 
then a Writers Guild of America strike in 1981, as well as an abrupt cancellation by CBS, caused season five to end with only seven episodes and no resolution to the ongoing story. Series episodes were very formulaic, which was typical of TV of the time. The plots were very similar to The Fugitive. David moves from place to place, working itinerant jobs, seeking a cure to his condition, and helping people. You got, generally, two Hulk transformations per episode, after which David would be forced to move on because, after the Hulk appears, Mr. McGee would be on his trail. Notable episodes included Season 2, Episode 1, Married, which was a two-hour episode starring Marriott Hartley. David marries a doctor in Hawaii that could help him find a cure. A Child in Need, which dealt with the timely issue of child abuse, was a very memorable episode for many. Mystery Man, Parts 1 and 2. Mr. McGee and David, who is suffering from amnesia and wears a face mask because of uh, his injuries, survive a plane crash in remote Arizona and have to work together to survive. In this episode, Mr. McGee discovers that the Hulk actually transforms from a regular man, and he witnesses this transformation. Prometheus, Parts 1 and 2. Uh, David and the Hulk are exposed to radiation from a meteor, and he is stuck mid-transformation as the Demi-Hulk. He is then pursued by government scientists at a research laboratory in Colorado. The First, Parts 1 and 2. This one is a fan favorite and stars actor Dick Durock, who would later be Swamp Thing. Pursuing likely his best lead on a cure ever, David discovers an old man who was another Hulk 30 years ago. Instead of wanting a cure, he wants the power back. And unlike David's Hulk, this Hulk will kill. With a list of guest stars as long as my arm, this series almost immediately went into syndication in 1982 after its completion and can be currently seen Saturday nights on MeTV. Attention, Enterprise crew. Don't make me angry. Don't pick me off, Wonder Woman. Hello, Batman. Don't make me mad. Perhaps. Goodbye. Don't make me mad, Ghoulie. You mean like this? Great. I'm all green. Watch me on me. Me TV. It's Super Sci-Fi Saturday Night, starting at 7, 6 Central on Me TV. It's Spider-Man and the Incredible Hulk from the Elastic Superhero Collection. I can beat that. You can tie them in a tangle, then see how they unwrangle. You can stretch the legs and arms. It won't do any harm. Watch this. Elastic Spider-Man and Hulk. Spider-Man and the Incredible Hulk, each sold separately from the Elastic Superhero Collection by Mego. The series spawned three reunion TV movies in 1988, 1989, and 1990, and has had a significant impact on pop culture. It has been endlessly spoofed, satirized, or referenced in numerous films and TV shows, sometimes even featuring Lou Ferrigno. Saturday Night Live, Amazing Stories, uh, Tasmania, Dexter's Laboratory, Mad TV, Scrubs, Robot Chicken... The Simpsons, The Goldbergs, and at least five times on Family Guy. In fact, in 2011, Family Guy did a hilarious shot-for-shot spoof of the Incredible Hulk opening sequence. 
Lou Ferrigno has reprised his Hulk role in several TV commercials and promos through the years, as we've previously heard. The series has had a couple of DVD releases now, and all five seasons as well as all three reunion TV movies are currently available on DVD. Tragically, Bill Bixby died in 1993 following a very public battle with prostate cancer. Jack Colvin made a handful of additional TV guest star appearances and died in 2005 at age 71. Lou Ferrigno continues to make regular cameo appearances on film and television, is very active on social media, and is a regular on the convention circuit. Kenneth Johnson soon brought us V, as well as V the Final Battle, two notable, very successful TV miniseries. He adapted the feature film Alien Nation and developed it for television, as well as V's return to television in 2009. Next time on Forgotten TV... Wednesday, September 6th, reach into the unknown with Dr. Strange. Do you believe in evil? You're telling me you're a sorcerer. Don't defy me, Stephen, or I'll take my pleasure from you in another way. John Mills is the power of good. Jessica Walter is the power of evil. And mankind's fate hangs in the balance. Peter Hooten stars as the man in the middle, Dr. Strange. Will the forces of evil conquer the forces of good on Earth? Dr. Strange, a special two-hour presentation, Wednesday, September 6th at 8, 7 Central and Mountain. Your father developed and perfected the ultimate steroid. He called it FLAG, Full Latent Ability Gain. He injected himself with the serum, and it worked. A top-secret serum gave Steve Rogers superpowers. Now he can use them to save a city from a madman with a bomb. Finished. If he accepts the challenge. Be Captain America, Steve. Steve Forrest and Reb Brown as the star-spangled superhero Captain America. We conclude our look at the Super 70s. That's next time on Forgotten TV. Forgotten TV is not affiliated with Marvel Entertainment, CBS, or NBC Universal Television Distribution. The Incredible Hulk and related characters is the property and trademarks of the Disney Company and Marvel Entertainment, and no infringement is intended. Audio clips are included for the purposes of review, commentary, and criticism only, and are not intended to infringe. And I'd like to thank the following YouTube channels for making today's episode possible. Brian's Hulk page. Philo, 1978. Color Forms, 60th Anniversary. Brick Mantooth. Forgotten TV is now a member of the Frequent Wire Podcast Network. To find other great podcasts, click the link to Frequent Wire in the show notes. Subscribe to Forgotten TV on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. To interact with me on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, or to easily support the show by shopping on Amazon, that's all linked up for you at Forgotten.tv. I'm Chris Cooling, and this has been Forgotten TV. Forgotten TV.